This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Thursday, January 25th, 2018. I'm Caleb Brown. The new Human Freedom Index tracks economic, personal, and civil freedoms across the globe. Report co-author Ian Vasquez says what's notable about the countries leading the rankings, how diverse those countries are. He argues that it shows freedom works in very different places. Well, what we've done is create a report that uh, measures broadly economic, personal, and civil freedoms around the world in 159 countries. And what we're measuring is the absence of coercive constraint, the idea that everybody's free to lead their lives as long as uh, they respect the equal rights of others. And we use 79 separate indicators for 159 countries over the course of many years in order to gauge uh, the level of uh, global freedom and the level of freedom within uh, those countries. And so that's what we're measuring. What can we say about the movements of countries thus far? This is now the third year of producing this index, which is based in part on the uh, Economic Freedom of the World Index that is led by the the Fraser Institute. Are there anything... That, that is surprising in this report that uh, if people have not seen the previous ones? Well, a couple of things can be said. One is that uh, global freedom has been decreasing slightly uh, since 2008, which is the, the earliest year for which we have complete data compared to this year's report. And, and compared to last year's report, there's also been a slight decrease. What's happening is a lot of movement uh, among countries in terms of increases and decreases in freedom. So over that time period, you see about half the countries increasing their freedom, about half of the countries decreasing their freedom. A notable uh, development this year is that Hong Kong, for the first time in the rankings histories, was displaced from number one. It used to be number one, now it's number two. Switzerland has knocked it off that spot. We also see that the United States is in 17th place. It's gone up from last year's report, in which it was uh, 24th place. And yet, it's still far below its ranking of 11th place in 2008. So the United States took a dive in, in human freedom. It is starting to recover somewhat, but it is still below uh, what I think most Americans uh, think of the level of the United States and would like the United States uh, ranking to be. Uh, how do we ac- account for personal and civil freedom? Well, we look in the overall report, we look at 12 broad categories of civil, personal, and economic freedom. In the personal and civil freedom area, we look at at seven indicators. We look at the rule of law because we consider that that uh, is important for other freedoms and it limits the arbitrary uh, actions of of government and and politicians as well as creates uh, an equal system of rules for everybody. We look at safety and security. If if it's dangerous for you to walk down the street uh, because you could get mugged or disappeared by the government or somebody kills you, obviously your level of human freedom is low. We look at freedom of movement, both the freedom to move within the country or freedom to leave the country. We look at freedom of movement of women. In many countries, women aren't free to move around without permission from, from men. We look at freedom of religion. We look at freedom of association, assembly, and civil society. Lots of countries 
put all sorts of barriers to the creation of independent organizations, uh, and not just to the creation, but then to the operation of those. So we measure that. We look at freedom of expression and information, things like freedom of the press. We look at identity and relationship freedoms, the the freedom to to, to have same-sex uh, relationships that's uh, illegal in in many countries, or uh, the freedom to change uh, sex or gender. These are very intimate uh, decisions that uh, very much have to do with individual freedom. So, what accounts for uh, some of the bigger movements that we've seen here? Is there anything that uh, cut across many countries that? Uh, where freedom was gained or lost? One thing that the report picks up on is the loss of freedom in many of the populist countries. So if you look at the performance of Greece and Venezuela, for example, those two countries are among the, the five countries that most have dropped in terms of freedom since 2008. You can also see significant drops in freedom in Russia, in Argentina, in Hungary, and in Turkey. So the report is picking up on the effects of populism in uh, many places and its reduction of freedom. Now, there were some measures that uh, you would have liked to have used, but there's not available data for all of the countries that you want to use that data for. What are some pieces of data that, that would really speak to the, to the issue of of human freedom that you would have liked to use, but just were not covered by enough countries? Well, one example is is uh, drug policies, the, the prohibition of drugs or alcohol or drugs generally. Um, we know that some countries are more lax than others in, in allowing those freedoms, but there's not one uh, single index that, that is global and measures uh, the, that indicator um, properly, at least not one that uh, sort of conforms to our methodology. So there are not, were there, was there ample data for say 50 countries on that, on that score? The data, is out, the, the data is, is out there, but it's much like uh, gathering data on all sorts of regulations, how you actually compare disparate regulations uh, across many countries and then score them uh, actually is a technical challenge and it matters. We are able to do that uh, in other areas because we rely on third parties that are already creating measurements for that, for example, for freedom of the press indicators or freedom of religion and so on. We don't create those ourselves so as to not introduce any, any biases. We re- depend on reputable, reputable third parties like the World Bank and other groups to provide the hard data that then uh, we use. What do you expect down the road? I mean, the data set in terms of uh, the data gathering here, this ended some time ago. But based on trends that you've seen uh, since the uh, sort of the data window closed, what what might you expect to see in the next report? Well, one of the things that we see in this report is when you look over time from 2008 uh, through now, the areas in freedom out of the 12 broad areas that we measure – uh, that most have uh, decreased have been at a global level have been the rule of law, movement, freedom of movement, uh, 
freedom of assembly and association and civil society and freedom of expression. Those are the, the four areas that have most uh, fallen across the, the globe. And I think that that's something that we really need to, to pay attention to. It's hard to predict uh, the direction of, of change because, in fact, there's so much movement going on within this ranking. Uh, a lot of countries have been moving up. A lot of countries have been moving down. And uh, what you find is, in fact, that there is an increasing diversity of societies that are uh, enjoying more freedom than before and where freedom seems to be taking root. For example, if you look at the top quartile of, uh, of countries on, on our freedom index, the most free countries, you find that it's a pretty diverse set of countries. It's got places like the United Kingdom and Western European countries and Anglo Saxon countries, as you would expect, because they've had a long tradition of rule of law and respect for for basic liberties. But you also find uh, a, num a number of ex-socialist countries like Poland or Lithuania or Estonia. You find several Asian countries, Hong Kong, Sim Singapore, Taiwan, Korea. You find uh, one uh, Sub-Saharan African country, Mauritius. You find a couple of Latin American countries, Chile and Costa Rica. And you find countries that uh, uh, actually even recently were very poor and highly repressed. The example of the Republic of Georgia uh, is representative of that. So you have a, what I think is an increasingly diverse set of countries and societies where freedom is taking root, and that's good news because it says, among other things, that freedom works. Freedom works in very diverse uh, settings. And I think that if you were to look at that list uh, going back several decades ago, it wouldn't be as, as diverse. Certainly, it wouldn't be as free. And so that is a huge measure of progress. Having said that, when we look at those top 40 countries on the list, what we're talking about are countries that represent just 15% of the world population. The countries in the bottom 40, the, the bottom quartile, represent 44% of the world's population. So, for, so there's a long way to go in terms of improving freedom. Another bit of good news is, however, that if you look over time, the gap in freedom uh, from the bottom quartile and the top quartile has been closing in the sense that the least free countries grouped in that way are catching up in terms of freedom uh, ever so uh, slowly to the more free countries. What is the benefit, and I've talked about this with, uh, I believe, Jim Gwartney a long time ago, about uh, what is the impact of a country being next to, a, a, a relatively free country being next to a relatively unfree country? Well... One thing that the report establishes through just an empirical finding is that uh, freedom is st strongly related to prosperity. And countries that are more free are more prosperous. And there seems to be a pretty strong relationship between human freedom, overall human freedom, and a whole assortment of indicators of human well-being, whether it's lifespan or access to safe drinking water or innovation. Uh, you would kind of uh, expect that. 
one of the things that we've seen over the past many decades is this tremendous uh, increase of human progress, this tremendous human progress in all sorts of indicators like the ones I've just mentioned all over the world, but most especially so in the developing world where if you only look at indicators of human well-being, you see that the developing world is catching up to the rich world. And the rich world, by uh, it, it tends to be more free, and that is a, a fairly strong association. One of the th things that has been happening clearly is that as the world becomes more free, it starts to achieve more. You get more progress out of that through all those indicators. But even if you look at countries that have done little to increase their overall freedom or reform their economies, you see increases or uh, improvements in human well-being. And that's significant because it suggests that they are benefiting from the freedom in other countries. Uh, they are benefiting from the medicines, the technology, the know-how, the capital, the trade, the uh, cell phones. Everything that is a product of freedom in the free countries is benefiting those who are unfree. And so that bears out uh, the observation that Friedrich Hayek had uh, some 50 years ago or, or so that the benefits of freedom extend beyond those who are free. And so to answer your question, yes, it matters a lot that there is a free country next to an unfree country, and it matters a lot that the freest countries maintain their level of freedom because it, it impacts global freedom in a way that is more substantial than the freedom of smaller, lesser free countries. An important finding of the Human Freedom Index is that there's a strong relationship between economic freedom and personal freedom. If you want to live in a country that has a high level of personal freedom, it had better be a country that has a high level of economic uh, freedom because the two go hand in hand. And that, I think, shows that uh, economic freedom is a, a critical freedom to support the other freedoms. Ian Vasquez is co-author of the new Human Freedom Index released today by the Cato Institute. Subscribe to and rate the Cato Daily Podcast at iTunes and Google Play. And follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast. 